Hi everyone, I'm Jelena Smith-Hunter and welcome to my new Elevate Education podcast. We are in the 10th year of a study on experiences in learning and leading learning. And the big finding is that experiences are elevated when empathy, awareness, and open-mindedness exist in education. Elevated Education is actually a collection of podcast series based on three elements, and those elements are foundations of this podcast. The first element, connection. We cannot begin to elevate education until we have connections within and outside of education. How do we connect within and outside of school walls? How do we connect what is going on in society with what is happening in education? How do we manage the connections that exist between the people, policies, and practices of education? Second element, contextualize. How do we put all the pieces together in education? How do our own identities, perspectives, and beliefs fit into narratives of what we see in education? How do we take a stance of empathy when we show up as educators? How do we move from assumptions and limited perceptions to a clearer understanding of the big picture? And last, the third element to elevate education, conversations. How do we engage in conversations that lead to connection and that bring context? How do we balance valuing each other's voices while preserving integrity for the profession? How do we navigate expressions of failures, fears, and frustrations towards elevated conversations? Because growth doesn't take place without dissonance. We'll dive into these elements to elevate education by talking to educators, just like you, who are actually living the work. Learning and leading learning is more than the lesson plan and the test scores. Learning and leading learning, in my definition, is about the experiences of the educator, the learner, and the impact on society. As a result of the spoken and unspoken practices and policies, better known as the in-between, the place where education can be elevated. The Elevate Education podcast will be a collection of series based on important experiences in education. Episodes within each series are connected to build one theme and will include futurists and change agents like you. We'll have the conversations that help us make sense of it all and elevate education. Equity Elevators, before we dive into the podcast series, I wanted to start the first series and first episode by giving you a little background about myself. I don't want to spend too much time on me because I know time is a hot commodity for us educators. Where does the time go? Uh, More importantly, where can we get some more? For 16 years, I have taught elementary and middle school, serving at the local school level as a teacher and instructional coach. I have led instructional change as a district academic specialist, professional learning developer, and assistant principal. I serve as a model for equity in education through the use of data, research, and turning theory into action by serving as an authentic role model for equitable practices. I earn degrees and attended the University of Central Florida, go Knights, the University of West Georgia, and I'm currently a doctoral student in the College of Education at Clark Atlanta University, earning a doctorate degree in urban educational leadership. 
My research focus is on creating experiences that lead to equitable outcomes for all learners. Speaking of experiences, today's topic is particularly important because it is one of many essential elements that is critical for the core business of education, teaching and learning. One that impacts the experiences of all learners and educators. Let's get started. Welcome to the post-pandemic Educators Pre-Planning Podcast Series. The goal of this podcast four-part series is to shift students, teachers, leaders, and communities thinking from reactive to proactive in responding to the barriers of equity the pandemic presented in social emotional learning, social justice, the virtual learning regression, and post-pandemic leadership. You will hear positive and empowering messages of hope for ways to restore equity in education with a focus on what we can do and not what we can't do to make our teaching and learning experiences equitable. We will share resources and tips that will be useful to employ empathy, to build relationships that will elevate equity in your schools and communities, despite the harmful impact of the pandemic. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear how you plan to be intentional and actionable in planning to elevate equity in your school. Join me as we elevate equity. Thank you for joining the Post-Pandemic Educators Pre-Planning Series, Part 1, Social Emotional Learning. The impact of being quarantined, experiencing illnesses and loss, being away from the normal routine of social interactions with peers has left many individuals in a new headspace, especially our students. The 4-H National Council conducted a study of 1,500 teens in May 2020. Around 70% say they felt depressed, anxious, and high stress, and 61% said the pandemic has increased feelings of loneliness. Mental health problems can affect a student's energy level, concentration, dependability, mental ability, and optimism, hindering performance. Research suggests that depression is associated with lower grade point averages and that co-occurring depression and anxiety can increase this association. Let's explore how we can move from reactive to proactive to decrease inequities in teaching and learning after the pandemic to include the assessing of mental health states in the community, understanding the impact of mental health on students and student learning, understanding the influence of students' mental health on educators and providing instruction. Our guest is Cameron Lovelace, an executive coach, staff trainer, and mental health therapist. He is the founder of Good Life Training and Consulting. For over a decade, Cameron has shared strategies to identify a connection between behavior and performance. Whether Cameron is providing strategies in the classroom, a conference room, or on a one-on-one -on -one setting, he pushes each client to reach their potential. Cameron is a proud husband of his wife, Sparkle Lovelace. As we help educators pre-plan their next steps after the pandemic, 
I am honored to have you join in to listen as we discuss what you can do to elevate equity for your students' social-emotional learning. When I think about this topic, the most important element about social-emotional learning that I want you to walk away with today is to recognize first that mental health is an essential part of the teaching and learning process. And I would also like you to consider some ways to invest in your students, more importantly, your own mental health. Many times we get so focused on the work that we miss the opportunity to connect and engage in all of the experiences the work affords us. It is in these experiences that we as the educational community of learners connect. This series does not seek to solve all of the problems of the pandemic. I hope this podcast series will help to provide a paradigm shift from reacting to the trauma of the pandemic to responding with actions that are intentional and equitable. During this time, we will probably want to resist exploring something so closely connected to our personal identities, such as our mental health. Because, let's admit it, Society has not deemed mental health as a human condition, but instead a flaw. A wound usually hurts the most when it first gets injured. I urge you to resist that notion. Dig deeper and examine yourself. Yes, the wound may hurt because the traumas of our minds are fresh and new. I urge you to embrace an open and honest stance as we discuss the mental health of students, teachers, leaders, and families to prevent more problematic infections that may lead to worse conditions. The worse the condition is, the longer the treatment, the longer the healing process. During these extended times of recovery, the achievement gaps widens for the communities we serve, especially the marginalized student. Because of the coronavirus's disproportionate effect on Black, Latino, Native American, and low-income communities, young people of color are likely to experience an uneven share of new burdens and financial pressures, as well as worry, grief, and loss at home. Dr. Anel Prem of the Steve Fund wrote an article titled, Anxiety and Depression Among Students Have Become Central Issues and not all young people are affected equally. The coronavirus disproportionate effect on Black, Latino, and Native American communities is highlighted as the article notes a survey of parents conducted in May of 2020 by the Gates Foundation found that for 60% of Black and Latino high school students, the COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted their post-secondary plans compared with 43% of white high school students. With 70% of students suffering from depression and anxiety, our tier one approach to instruction will need realignment. Prior to COVID-19, a small number of students faced depression. We can anticipate that the majority of students will need layers of support through the multi-tiered support system to respond appropriately. The MTSS umbrella covers a variety of supports for teaching and learning, including professional development, curriculum design, 
positive behavior intervention and support, school and community collaboration, parent actions, and response to intervention. The response to intervention process, commonly referred to as RTI, is a multi-tier approach to the early identification and support of students with learning and behavior needs. Needs are responded to in three ways. Tier three, which impacts the smallest amount of students, is considered intensive support. Tier two would merit targeted support in particular areas. At this level, more students are faced with similar needs. The goal at this tier is to respond appropriately to redirect learners to tier one, core supports, which is the general teaching and learning practices. Understanding that the majority of students will need support with social-emotional learning will require a shift in our Tier 1 teaching and learning practices. Furthermore, to achieve equity for minority students who are disproportionately impacted, targeted and intensive supports will need to be provided. Forward thinkers have a variety of wonderings floating around in their heads, such as what types of professional development should educators invest in to support students with depression and anxiety, considering the social-emotional needs of school staff. How should that training be rolled out? How will curriculum design be adjusted to meet the new social, emotional, and mental health needs of students? How will districts and curriculum departments equip teachers to deliver that curriculum in effective ways that are equitable? How can PBIS be leveraged to support students suffering from depression and anxiety? What measures need to be established to strengthen school and community collaborations to mitigate the impact of depression and anxiety? How can we empower parents and families? How does the multi-tiered support system look in our classrooms? How can teacher collaboration and professional learning communities enhance their current practices to be intentional about supporting students with depression and anxiety? Educators will need to be actionable, intentional, and equitable with decision-making. Yet, before we jump into the work and start making adjustments, let's pause and really understand depression and anxiety. Understanding what it is and how it shows up will promote intentionality with each next step to achieve equitable outcomes. Anxiety is intense, excessive, and persistent worry about everyday situations. It can show up as fast heart rate, rapid breathing, sweating, and feeling tiredness may occur. In the spectrum of anxiety, from mild to severe, At its core, students need specific experiences in the classroom to minimize anxiety. Anxiety untreated can lead to depression. Depression causes feelings of deep sadness and or a loss of interest in activities or motivation. It shows up as loss of appetite, changes in weight, or loss of energy in the spectrum of depression from mild to thoughts of suicide, essentially students need specific experiences in the classroom to combat depression. So what does that look like in our school? Considering Maslow's hierarchy of needs, 
basic needs and psychological safety are essential to support students with anxiety and depression. At the base, basic needs, students feel their needs are met and feel safe. Most of the stress that trigger the social-emotional needs stem from the strain of the pandemic causing instability in the home, which may make students feel unsafe. Through the strengthening of the school and community partnership, students' basic needs for food, shelter, and clothes, which have been compromised due to financial strains placed on families, such as illnesses, loss, and unemployment. Having dedicated a large portion of my life's work to serving Title I schools, just like the ones I attended as a child, I understand how it feels to have students in your classroom who haven't eaten all weekend and couldn't wait for school to open to have two meals and a classroom snack, or the crushing feeling to hear your student lives in a home without running water or even hot water worse electricity. These were some of my brightest students, but their performance during that time would not have reflected that brilliance because their focus was on their basic needs. Let's connect families with organizations that can support them through these hard times, such as invaluable community assets, such as local churches, local business fundraisers, and nonprofit organizations. The next level is psychological needs, which is recognizing one's need to belong, feel loved and esteemed. Anxiety and depression are metastasized during a time of quarantine. Virtual learning, social distancing, and limited gatherings because the interactions are limited. Post-pandemic, Students need to learn to recognize and respond to their feelings as they are reintroduced to connecting and engaging with peers and teachers. Let's contextualize this. There are students who have not interacted with anyone in person except the families they lived with since March 2020. That is almost an entire calendar year. As a former elementary school teacher and as an elementary school administrator, I know the value of reestablishing norms for interaction at the beginning of the year and after extended breaks, such as winter break and spring break. The orderly and consistent routines of school provide students with consistent means to engage with each other academically in class and socially during recess and during extracurricular activities. Embracing empathy for our students will help us understand the root of their anxieties with interactions, helping us to prepare them to participate in learning and build their esteem. The nuances of building students' esteem is delicate. Traditional means of evaluating mastery through standardized assessments and biased grading practices could deteriorate students' esteem, which may perpetuate further anxiety and depression. You will be able to find ready-to-use resources to support your school's strategic plan to support students on our website. 
There are many efforts schools and districts can take to support students with depression. Let's talk about a few of them, Cameron. I know you work with teachers and students consistently. What are some things we can begin to do to support mental health and social emotional learning? Um, But I think even on a foundational scale, I think a lot of teachers um, really on the elementary, middle and high school level can start incorporating just different breakouts in their in their classrooms, Um, whether that's five minute bell ringers of just, you know, talk about a time that you whatever that will help the students build up confidence or give you a clue that something is going on. Like I said, you're, you're, you're tricking them into thinking about stuff, but it's something in the consistent routine, just something slight that helps them be able to, to do things like that. Um, I, do, I do, however, think that it is very important for uh, professional development for the teachers, because if you, can, if you can show the teacher the way, then you'll be able to impact a whole generation of students. Mm-hmm. If, you can, if you can show them how to practice self-care, if you can show them how to recognize anxiety, depression, uh, schizophrenia, the uh, bipolar depression, um, if you can train them to just be able to recognize it instead of, you know, mishandling it or mishandling a situation, then, then you'll be able to really be able to respond and react properly. Right. And you mentioning depression, um, that is a big piece. And teachers really should watch out for signs of depression and anxiety or even burnout um, and help to bridge students to necessary supports. So Cameron, I, you know, we have the, the listeners on and they could have students on their Zoom sessions or in their classrooms right now who are showing signs, but they may not even know what to look for. Um, what are some resources they can get to get their hands on so that they're able to identify it so that they can respond. You can go to your friendly neighborhood therapist, but I know every community, whether you're rural or whatever your community looks like, doesn't always have a a therapist, let alone an African-American therapist like me. Um, But I, I, I think it's just important to keep your eyes open and look for those resources. I remember like when George Floyd passed away, they had um, Ulta had like a, a lot of resources that you could read, that you could watch on Netflix and Hulu and just learn your, like learn more about like the, the, the racial side of the pandemic and you know how all that has happened. And so I think those are all resources that you can easily find. I know you can Google social emotional learning and yes. a whole bunch of stuff will come up. Um, yes. So really, I think it's really just you got to do the work outside of mm-hmm. outside of professional developments. Unfortunately, maybe you do need to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I could use a therapist. Let me see if I can get on Talkspace or look at a virtual therapist and maybe start seeing somebody so that I can learn more about myself and recognizing how anxiety is affecting me. And maybe I can connect and maybe share a story about going to therapy with my students who are also struggling with anxiety. Right, right. Again, it's all about the connection. That is true. And so I know um, being a teacher and a leader, there's there's sometimes that meeting after the meeting where you have to connect with your best friend at work or you connect with that good retired friend who can mentor you and you're just digesting everything you just heard at a meeting 
and making sense of it, we need to find that buddy for the pandemic um, and after. Um, who is that person that you can call that you can just download your day and think about how it's making you feel? Really connecting, um, someone who can touch base with you and check in with you and, and listen to hear if that really sounds like you. And I would encourage that friend, and you should give them permission to, um, whenever you choose this friend, that if they hear that you are not well, that they suggest for you to talk to someone or maybe even go with you uh, or do a virtual session or something like that. Um, that's where empathy comes in. I know I would want a friend if I am feeling overloaded and I do not start to sound like Jelena for someone to say, you know, um, I like to say fix my crown and say, um, I, I really think we should go and talk to someone. Um, I think this is really getting to you. I know this is your passion and you love it. You love it so much, but maybe we need to talk to someone together. Um, I think we should give someone, let someone love us in that manner. As educators, we love in this, in this job. You get so close to your students, so close to your coworkers. It's very emotional work. Um, allow someone mm -hmm. to show up for you in that way. And I challenge you to show up for someone else in that way. When we keep this in our mind, we're able to better address different, situ address different situations together. Um, and when I think about the strategies we need to implement as educators, first, number one, take care of yourself. Then when we think about our students, then we can recognize their emotions. We can see what they need and then we can respond. Someone once told me, um, I am a very active person. I'm always doing something, um, learning something new. And I'm sure a lot of you educators out there are, are shaking your heads, parents. They're like, oh yes, I'm always finding something new that I can learn or try out. And they told me you cannot pour from an empty cup. Please make sure your cup is full. We have to pour daily as educators. Make sure your cup is full and we need a friend to fill it up for us sometimes. So please connect with that person and I hope, I'm hoping that after this segment or even right now as you're listening that you take your phone out and text someone and say, hey, can I talk to you? I want you to be my my accountability accountability partner someone that I, that will check in on me and i will do the same for you um it takes a network for us to to survive this moment and afterwards um the future problems that i see teacher facing um from this pandemic is recognizing that social emotionally need within themselves ongoing so right now we're talking about it is at the forefront of our minds, but once we get back into that cycle. So Cameron, I know you work as a counselor with teachers and different things, and what would you suggest for those teachers to help them to keep social emotional learning at the forefront? Because educators, I know we, we like a checklist. We wanna get things done. We wanna make sure we have those standards done and we meet those deadlines. 
But what should be at the forefront of our minds as we are not going back to a, a, no, a new normal, it's going to be new um, as we're planning and mm -hmm. collaborating with our teams. So the first thing I would have to say is you have to have a holistic mindset with, with, with everything. And what I mean by holistic is that you got to see the entire picture. I know a lot of people, maybe even, I mean, principals and administrators, you may measure success strictly on the GPA or how the student's performing or how the, or how the teacher is performing. You may strictly like measure the, the, the just strictly based on performance of everybody. But when you go deeper into the box score, you're going to see that there are deeper things going on. So you have to have a holistic mindset and look at it more than just performance. Yes, stats are important. Yes, standardized tests are important. Yes, graduation rates are important. But what's going on deeper in the classrooms with the students at the homes? And so you have to come into everything that you do in education with the holistic mindset. So seeing that you know, physically, you know, Brett just broke his ankle in playing soccer. So he may be frustrated with that. So he's having problems focusing on his grades or such and such just got on some new psych meds or new depression meds to deal with his anxiety and depression. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, mental health is not a perfect science. Psychiatrists can't just perfectly identify what's going on and give the students and professors and teachers the right meds. So it might be something like that going on that affects their performance. And then also on the emotional standpoint, because these kids are, are, are people too. We have relationships, emotional connections with people as well, with, with people too. And so they might be going through something emotionally. Just Think about when you uh, when you had a rough patch uh, with a little boy in college and your feelings was all up and down, turned around and you wouldn't think about no class at all. And so you got to look at it from these three perspectives, from what's going on in the physical health, the mental health and emotional health. I call it emotional and spiritual health because the emotions will take you the emotions I, I like to say represents the spirit within you and so if you come at it just really like education from that perspective more than just performance but who are they as a holistic person because that's what they are they are a little mm -hmm. person in your classroom that eventually will grow up and graduate and so if you come at it from that perspective i think that'll put you leaps and bounds ahead of the game because you are aware Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I like that holistic mindset when you're approaching planning. So sitting down to prepare that math lesson or that science lesson, you are considering your students first. I like it. Um, I know leaders are going to face some problems as well, thinking about how to respond in a post-pandemic educational environment. And so we dedicated a whole series just to that. Um, also, the instructional component, that's, that's a whole beast on its own, and that will be addressed in another part of this podcast. So each, each thing has its part, but it's, it's all integrated, it's also connected. 
but one thing that you can anticipate is that families, yes, our students and their parents, they are going to have some issues as well. And one that I foresee is their access to resources um, and learning about mental health and how to respond to that and seeing it in their own homes and recognizing it. Um, I know that sometimes you're, you're so close to the issue, you can't see it and you might dismiss a cry for um, emotional support to be bad behavior. And so you are taking away someone's, you can't have your phone, you can't watch TV, and really they're crying out for maybe some more attention. Um, they may be displaying some behaviors that you never ex expected have clearly laid out that you will not tolerate and they're doing them intentionally. Maybe they're not being defiant. Maybe they're trying to communicate to you a deeper need. So something that I anticipate as a leader is connecting families with those resources and identifying what those behaviors may be. Yes, sometimes those behaviors are acting out. They are, but when you think about all the trauma that is happening, that kids are witnessing and they very well may feel helpless about because what can they do during this time? Um, we need to equip parents with those resources because um, we as educators, you know, we're, we're in tune with, with the research, with the theory, we can respond with it, you know, the ebbs and flows of it. But as a parent, you love your child, you're so close to it. And when you really don't have a grasp on the theories of what's really happening and those, those signals to tell you that it's something more, um, we may respond to it in not in the best manner. So if we can connect with our counselors at the school, um, great resource. They will be able to connect you with resources in the community that they've already built relationships with that you can connect with your families. Invite those people to meet with your families. Set up, set up sessions for them to have those conversations. Send home flyers or messages, you know, through your communication apps, just so parents can get, begin to get an awareness that, oh, well, oh, well, maybe, well, maybe it's something else. Maybe I can consider something else um, in that manner. Um, so stepping back and not being so enthralled in the work that we forget about our purpose with the work is my number one tip for responding to the post-pandemic state of teaching and learning. I, I wholeheartedly agree about connecting those resources with, um, with outside of the community because unfortunately, I don't know whose idea it was to set it up like this, but in some schools, it's one school counselor for an entire school. And on top of that, that school counselor is in charge of testing. They're in charge of this. They're mm -hmm. in charge of that. And they don't really get to counsel at all, let alone see a child that is struggling regularly um, and give them the support that they need. So you have to build community partnerships with your school and other um, resources so yes. that they, you can connect and give the child the help that they need. I think that is so, so vital. Um, and I personally, 
I don't want um, educators and administrators. This is just me personally. I don't want them to set an extremely high bar when we come back to school. Like don't expect the numbers that you had when we went in in March, like the anticipated numbers, the anticipated test scores, GPA, graduation rate. Don't expect that come fall 2021. Like don't expect things to go exactly pick back up when we're able to safely go back when there's a vaccine in place. Just expect it. No, no, no. We're all figuring this out together. We're, we're figuring out life, education, work, planning, college, um, all this stuff. We're trying to figure all this out together. So try to not have to feel like you, can, you have to save the entire world at once. And so I would say, like, really dial back your expectations of yourself. You, you, you ain't got, like, I ain't, I ain't trying to be religious right now, but you ain't got, you can't just wave your finger and change things back to the way it was. Like, nah, we, we figuring this thing out together. Um, and be, be open to collaborate with people and community resources to figure those things out and adjust accordingly. I agree. So we have had, Mr. Lovelace, a deep conversation explaining the importance of mental health and how it impacts teaching and learning. Um, more importantly, we discussed ways to protect and prevent future concerns with our mental health. The elevation of equity can only occur when each of us can identify who we are and who we are not and recognize how that impacts how we connect with the world. Students, teachers, leaders, and community members, I so desperately urge you each day to begin to plan to take care of yourself, your mind, your heart, your emotions, as well as your physical needs Talk to someone you trust about your feelings and how all the changes are impacting your life. Be prepared for there to be a shift in your expectations of your trajectory or your goals. Um, even students, as you heard, there is a huge impact on your plans after high school, huge impact. Let's think about what we can do. We can't stop the pandemic tomorrow so that we can um, have those experiences, but what can we do? Can we access some virtual resources to help us be prepared and minimize those risks? Parents, how can we help our students to find those resources so that their plans aren't halted? And if you don't know what to do, who can you call at the school who can connect you with a community member or someone who can help you? There are so many people who are out there who are willing to support, they're willing to help, they want to take the strain off, and this, this is their area of expertise, so they do it with their, with their eyes blindfolded where it would be a challenge for some of us. So I urge you to just reach out and ask, um, and it's okay to feel upset. It's okay to be lonely. It's okay to have those feelings. Don't try to push them down and act like that they're not valid. They are. But we don't stay there. We acknowledge that, and then we readjust our thinking, redirect that back to, yes, I'm feeling this way because of these things, but I can plan forward. I can find resources to help me, and I can take care of myself, and you are already off to a great start to respond to the mental health needs of the post-pandemic 
education. And so I would like to thank Cameron Lovelace for joining us. You gave us so many great nuggets today. Um, you began with telling teachers to be open, something as simple as telling a story to build that community and that connection to establish relationships. So we can begin to have empathy and see where our students are coming from and we can share with them so they can see where we're coming from as well. You also told us about students that they should begin to think about how their plans are going to be altered and come up with a counteractive response to that instead of just saying, oh, well, I, you know, the pandemic happened, I can't do this. Refocus on what you can do. Um, you also challenged us to take care of ourselves by sleeping and eating and also being aware of our stress levels and responding to that. Um, just from your experience helping clients, you've learned that there's a connection between our mental health and then it starts to weigh on our physical health. And approach teaching and learning with a holistic mindset that will really help us as we respond to the post-pandemic teaching and learning environments. So Cameron, we would like to thank you for being here. And I'm sure the listeners cannot wait to reach out to you. I'm sure they have tons of questions that they want to ask you and want to connect with you in the future. How can they get in touch with you? So there's a plethora of ways that they can get in touch with me. Um, I am on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. And I think those are the, probably the primary two ways that you could get in touch with, in touch with me uh, quickly. Um, if you want to hear like different nuggets all the time, I actually have a podcast of my own called the pursuit of the good life podcast that gives you tangible nuggets to take your personal and professional life to the next level. Um, so naturally as a therapist, I'm going to integrate tips about mental health, anxiety, legacy building, different things like that. Actually this week, the episode that dropped today, um, was about, uh, managing your stress with the stress of this year happening. Um, like I said, my heart is going out, especially to the class of 2021 that will be graduating soon, but now they getting robbed of all these opportunities to really explore. And it, it was out of that desire to help that class that I started this new project that I'm working on called Dreams and Nightmares. To help students that are in high school, but specifically the seniors, help them be able to explore the world of work build a foundation within themselves and put a plan together that they can go execute. And the, the best part about it is that it can be done 100% virtual. So if you got oh, an wow. internet connection, we'll take you, we'll sign you up. And I've got, I've got it set up to where I have individual, I could work with your student one-on-one -on -one for uh, roughly, you know, a couple of weeks, depending on what their situation is. Cause I mean, you know, Corona, they already have enough work. Right. Um, and then I also have group sessions. So if an organization wants me to just come in and teach the kids virtually and they just pay the fee for each individual kid at a group rate. And then, of course, there's the, the sweet, the super sweet option where I can come in and teach your staffs how to implement the practices and programs to help those students do those things to get them ready for post for post high school life. Oh, wow. So, that's the project that I'm working on right now. If you're interested in that project, you can visit my website at goodlifetc.org slash dreams. Awesome. If you are actually ready to elevate equity in your community, 
We are here to support you in that process with an emphasis on restoring and leveraging relationships to support your unique equity needs. I would like to personally thank you listeners and would like to invite you to join the remaining three parts of this four-part series, which includes social justice, virtual learning, regression, and post-pandemic leadership. And again, we would like to thank Cameron Lovelace for joining us on part one, social emotional learning, and you will be able to connect with him and all the resources we discussed on our website, www.equityelevatorconsulting.com. Thank you for listening. Let's elevate equity.